0: God fearing, pistol packing patriot, free thinker and spirit. Who has always taken the road less traveled? CEO easily. of Definitely Holly.
1: Nothing behind me. Everything ahead of me. As is ever, so on the road.
0: It's definitely.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Holly. Welcome back to the Definitely Holly Show. My show is every single Saturday evening at 5 p.m. on News Talk STL 101.9 and 94.1. And this is the Definitely Holly Show. Not maybe, but definitely. If you happen to miss one of my shows on Saturday night, you can go to NewstalkSTL.com. You type in Definitely Holly and you can access all my shows, and you can listen to every single episode that you may have missed. Also, you can find my shows on all your favorite podcast platforms like uh, Apple and Spotify as well. Those are just two of them, but look my show up, The Definitely Holly Show. So today, I am definitely excited because I have two guests today that are going to be on my show. Before we get to my guests, I just want to start off with what tucker carlson has said recently regarding ukraine and zelensky so a lot of people uh, i'm going to go into some back backhand research in a little bit but a lot of people don't really realize what is going on with ukraine and russia and a lot of people are getting a lot of misinformation and um just wrong information so tucker recently um said No one seems to care that Zelensky is closing down churches and throwing Christians in jail. Yes, President Zelensky in Ukraine is throwing Christians in jail. Then Tucker goes on to say, So in order to support Joe Biden's policy in Ukraine, you have to support what the government of Ukraine is doing with American tax dollars, our money, including cracking down on faithful Christians within the border of Ukraine. Zelensky is now closing churches belonging to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. He says the country needs spiritual independence. So you have to ask yourself, why aren't Christian leaders in the United States saying anything about this and instead endorsing it effectively? You guys, this is persecution of the members of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And of course, mainstream news media keeps writing articles and focusing on President Trump for whatever reason. Instead of focusing on this, crickets about Zelensky and Ukraine closing churches and arresting people like throwing nuns and priests in jail. Where are the U.S. Christian leaders? Why aren't they speaking up? Also, I just want to add, here's my um, little research backhand information. Zelensky is not a hero. Yes, I said that. Zelensky is not a hero. He's a puppet actor, much like our fake President Biden. Zelensky, I want you to listen to this. Zelensky is a manufactured public figure by Igor Komlowski, the billionaire who is behind this puppet president. Did you know in 2020, Igor Igor was actually indicted in the United States on charges related to large-scale bank fraud? And in 2021, the U.S. actually banned him and his family from entering the country. Interesting. Keep in mind, Igor owns One Plus One Media Group. Financed and produced, they financed and produced the Servant of the People TV series. So you may be asking, what is a Servant of the People TV series? Well, this is actually available on Netflix. Surprise, surprise. It is a Ukrainian political satire comedy television series starring Zelensky himself, who ironically stars as a high school history teacher who is unexpectedly elected president of Ukraine after a viral video filmed by one of his students shows him making a profane rant against government corruption in his country. And what was oddly weird about this is the amount of PR and propaganda for this particular TV series was extremely disproportionate to other Ukrainian TV shows and series. And this, was, this TV series was extremely pushed on the people, a.k.a. mind control. This show ran until about 2018. Then you have Zelensky, actually elected president in 2019. Keep in mind, Igor Kamaleski is the billionaire behind that president. Igor created a party called Servant of the People, a liberal, centrist, pro-European political party in Ukraine. Now, the current president of Ukraine, Zelensky, who starred in the Servant of the People, is a member of the party. The party's candidate was, surprise, Zelensky. Therefore, Igor financed Zelensky. Also, let's just go back to 2014. Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company, hired Hunter Biden to be on the board of directors. Igor controlled Burisma and Igor financed Hunter Biden. Also, keep in mind that there's reports that Daddy Biden got a cut of Hunter's Ukrainian deal as well. Bottom line, Zelensky and Hunter Biden are bankrolled by the same guy, Igor Komalensky. All kinds of secrets are in Ukraine. Ukraine is corrupt, corrupt at its finest. It's one of the poorest countries. The Washington establishment has exploited Ukraine and used Ukraine as their private piggy bank, literally stripping Ukraine of its money and assets needed by the people of Ukraine. That is why Ukraine is so poor, because of this corruption. Western politicians. Western politicians. Interesting, huh? The Pentagon, let's talk about these biolabs too. So the Pentagon actually admitted, remember back in uh, June 2022, that there were 46 U.S. funded biolabs in uh, Ukraine. U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine, which if breached, would release and spread deadly pathogens to the U.S. and world. This is not Russia propaganda. This is facts. And it has been confirmed. There are biological laboratories that work with pathogens of dangerous infections, and they are still discovering biolabs. Zelensky had said a while back, our, ambitio- our ambitious objective is to make the world a better place, a kinder and more joyful place with help, with help of those tools that we have, that is humor and creativity. We are moving towards this goal, trying to conquer the whole world, of course. Hmm, trying to conquer the whole world. That sounds familiar. Right, the New World Order and teeming with radical Western ideology. Does it make sense yet why Putin doesn't want this Western ideology in his country? And maybe he also doesn't want uh, deadly diseases and deadly pathogens like anthrax and who knows what else. Just some thought to think about. It is known that the U.S. Military Department has spent $250 million on military biological programs in Ukraine since 2005. This information is included in a Pentagon report. The document in particular mentioned participation in the program of the Soros Foundation. Interesting. And as of November 2022, last year, the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation indicates in close proximity to the borders of the Russian Federation, there were more than 50 bio-laboratories modernized at the expense of the Pentagon and controlled by it. In total, according to other reports, under, under the control of the U.S. Military Department, there are 336 biological laboratories in 30 countries of the world. And they were instructing, instructing the people of Ukraine to dispose the material before the Russians could get their hands on it. But why would you collectively destroy a so-called good or beneficial research before the Russians saw it or got their hands on it? You wouldn't unless you had to hide evidence. Bottom line: Western politicians don't care about Russia taking over the land of Ukraine or the people in Ukraine. They care about not exposing and keeping hidden all the corrupt evil, corrupt evil deeds that they have done. They don't want to be exposed. And why in the world are, do we keep giving money to such a corrupt, evil country? I feel sorry for all the poor, innocent civilians, but there's a lot in Ukraine that people just don't realize. And can you imagine what the media would do if a video were to surface of President Trump dancing in stilettos while wearing leather ensemble and a crop bol- bolera doing a lookalike Beyonce dance lineup? The media wouldn't stop talking about it. They would still be talking about it. But do you know who actually did that? Zelensky. Zelensky accompanied, or he was with uh, three other men in similar attire. They thrust, did twirls, even did a headstand in their raunchy get up. We're talking about men, three men wearing uh, five-inch black, black heels, grabbing themselves and grabbing each other, wearing leather pants that are so tight that I wouldn't even wear myself. The video was actually a music video, and it was produced by Zelensky's company, uh, Kavartel 95 Studio, owned by President Zelensky himself. So please, do us all a favor, Zelensky, and never publicly show another video like that again. It's disgusting. But everything seems to run in a full circle. We have the radical propaganda of gender ideology and transgenderism. We have the pedophilia and the human sex trafficking. We have the Washington establishment making their money. And we have the institutions and the companies. Greedy profits. The war on the family and the children. The grooming that's going on. So today, my two guests and I, we're going to dive deep into these subjects. Coming up is Meredith Foster of Tiger Lily Resources. She is someone who is making a huge difference Huge difference in this huge problem of human trafficking, and she is a survivor herself. Now Meredith is the founder and executive director of Tiger Lily Resources, and Meredith has an online video series, Traffic Stop, which shares the actual real news of this multi-billion-dollar crime industry of of human sex trafficking in the United States. Now through her series. Meredith shares the real news of what's going on, and she brings the viewers to a street-level perspective of this dark underbelly of human sex trafficking. Welcome, Meredith.
2: Hello, and thank you for having me again. Yes,
1: welcome back. So Meredith will be on at least once a month, if not more, on my show to kind of give an update of what's going on. So for people who are unaware of Tiger Lily, Re- Tiger Lily resources, go ahead and you know fill people in.
2: Yes, we are a uh, 501c3 ministry based out of the St. Louis metro area. Um, we have served survivors of human sex trafficking. And like you said, we're, right now, we're doing a national awareness project, uh, Traffic Stop Real News Sex Trafficking, really honing in on the realities of what human trafficking looks like in America. Um, great precursor of the Ukrainian story, um, It's very easy for people to really wrap their brains around human trafficking in other countries, uh, but they really don't understand the realities of what it looks like here in America. And it's really dark and it's the biggest secret that we have here. So we're really exposing the realities of it.
1: And uh, give us some insight, too. So uh, Tiger Lily Resources is located out of the St. Louis area. And go ahead and share some more on uh, what you guys do. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So like I said, we've been serving survivors since 2017. Um, We serve in the metro area. We do have a safe home that is about 45 minutes outside of the St. Louis area, tucked away in a little country bubble for peace and serenity. Um, The house is not functioning at the moment because we do have a pretty large ticket item that needs to be addressed before we move victims back. Survivors back in. Um, We have to fix the drain field, the septic drain field, because we're in the country. We have a septic system um, that has to be repaired before we can bring participants back into the home. Um, We are believing that that will happen this spring. So, yeah, Um, but we can serve five survivors at a time, and it is emergency placement, short-term residential home in. When the ladies come in, it's really just a place for them to rest and be refreshed and come back to life and get ready for their next steps and in journey in healing. This is a multi-year, multi-faceted healing process for these survivors, and we just stay with them every step of the way. We help them get into their next placement for long-term trauma care. Uh, we focus on other programs that are Christ-centered, faith-based, um, and we look throughout the country for uh, other ministries that speak the same language, and we refer within that network. And uh, with the show, we're actually building out our own network of other programs and being very intentional of creating strong relationships and really knowing the ins and outs of their programs and the benefits of it and seeing the fruits of their labor and helping them serve the survivors the best that they can, too.
1: Absolutely. You guys are doing a lot of great things. And, again, a local organization. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great, right, yes. here in the United States? in missouri yes so that's wonderful so a lot of uh the survivors that come to you where where do you see them where do they come from
2: it varies um being in we're a hub um in the country anyway for just transport and travel um but that doesn't mean that the survivors are transient from other areas a lot of them are directly from this area Um, Sometimes they'll come from, you know, just outside of the city area and they come into the city and that's where they're trafficked. Um, Sometimes they come from suburban areas that they just got mixed up in a bad relationship that turned into trafficking. So a lot of it is local, um, but they can come from anywhere in any walk of life. So.
1: And so you shared with me, you have a shocking revelation uh, regarding Tiger Lily resources. Now we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, I want you to go ahead and share that news. This is The Definitely Holly Show on News Talk STL, 101.9 and 941.
0: This is The Definitely Holly Show on News Talk STL. We were made to be correct.
1: This is the Definitely Holly Show, not maybe, but definitely on News Talk STL 101.9 and 941 So I have Meredith Foster in the studios. She is uh, the director and founder of Tiger Lily Resources. And she is going to go ahead and share a uh, some new information, a shocking revelation regarding Tiger Lily Resources.
2: Yeah, it's really sad that I do say it's shocking, but it really is. Um, in our <laughs> sector, um, it's in the years that we've been working with other organizations and, and trying to connect and best collaborate to serve survivors. Um, we really found that there is a huge resistance in collaboration. There is a big wall that comes up when it comes to sharing information, um, and and, in, details. And it all boils down to there's everybody's fighting for the same dollar. That's the excuse I hear all the time. And, That doesn't sit well with me, because if you're in the business to help people, then you're not fighting for a dollar. You're collaborating to best serve. So we are taking a very active approach of forming actual relationships with other ministries and organizations. And uh, it's pretty awesome to, you know, we've started that with probably six other services so far. And the feedback that they give is like, wow. Wow. Like, this is so refreshing. Like, nobody ever wants to work together. So we're really impressed that you actually want to do that. And um, just in in different ways, not just, you know, promoting their ministry and their work, but if they they have events, if they have, um, like, a small thing. So we have our own coffee line. And I designed that. It's Roast, Reach Out, and Stop Trafficking. Mm -hmm. And it was designed to be an umbrella to share with other organizations that they could use it as you know just a catch another promo piece and put their name on it so we just got um our first organization is um we're in the works of making that collaboration happen but we're going to be pulling people under that umbrella of whether it's something as small as their merchandise promoted on our website or us talking about them in a nationwide platform then that's what we're going to be doing but it's just really being intentional of collaborating and making great relationships
1: And that's awesome. It's just getting more people, you know, unifying and having more people come together for one larger purpose. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into this later on in my show. But uh, my next guest, you know, says the same thing is, you know, the actual, you know, actual human trafficking, sex trafficking. It's not in all these issues surrounding it. This is not a Republican Democrat, you know, issue, you know, Mm -hmm. Republican versus Democrat. This is a humanitarian crisis that's Mm -hmm. going on everywhere. And so we need to be coming together. And it's us against, you know, these elite key players and against, you know, even organizations and institutions. And, you know, we need to be working together. So that's very Mm -hmm. refreshing, you know, Mm -hmm. to hear that. Yeah,
2: it's it's really it's calling out the army. It's building up an army. It's absolutely amazing
1: absolutely yeah. so what are some go ahead and share real quick what are some of the um the local like uh, ministries that you know are interested in helping
2: well it's actually national not just local which is awesome oh, good, <laughs> so, yeah, good. Um, we had like we featured uh bikers against trafficking on the show right. and mm-hmm. that interview went really well and it had a lot of views and stuff and so a lot of people a lot of new people learned about them so we reached out to them of you know how can we best serve you and so that's one of the team and they have 12 chapters throughout the country so it's not just one in florida they have and they have one DC and Virginia in Oklahoma and various other places. I don't remember all of them. Um, And they have some in California and they actually have um, a few affiliate groups that are international. And one of them is actually in Ukraine.
1: Wow. So
2: that's pretty cool. Um, So they're one of them. Um, Rehope out of uh, Kansas city Um, reclaim six one, one pursuit Thirty Four Sixteen, and just anybody that we can collaborate with link arms with just just give great kudos to the work that they're doing, because these are actually people who are really in the trenches, doing the dirty work, really serving survivors. A lot of people don't want to hear about this. They don't want to talk about it. It's dark. It's dirty. It's too heavy. You know, and they just can't wrap their brains around it. And I'm like, OK, you might not want to hear about it, but these people don't want to live it. Right. You know, and we're here to help them get out of it and and be reintegrated into the communities that they're in and be great members of society.
1: Exactly. So So you have this huge problem, problem of, you know, sex, human trafficking. But then you also have a problem of, you know, the actual survivors getting out of this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you help them kind of transition and help them, you know, provide a safe place and Mm -hmm. transition back into society and give them, you know, resources. Whereas my next guest, they go after they he does the same type of thing, but They also uh, provide resources in terms of like lawyers and people that will fight for them Mm -hmm. to provide justice. So, you know, we really have to think about the survivors,
2: too. Absolutely. And it's honestly like when you when you get to the point of of a victim being trafficked, that's actually a symptom of what the root issue is so it's not just like one day all of a sudden boom you're trafficked it stems from a years of abandonment rejection trauma abuse um, molestation you know it doesn't come from a place of health and healing so there's already layers and layers of trauma that lead to a vulnerability of anybody Man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you live or the income. It's vulnerability. And those predators, they know what to look for. They can, they can nab you into it and it starts usually it starts with a moment of blackmail. And then it just progresses into trafficking. So you have all of those pre-years of trauma, then the actual act of being trafficked, and then everything else that comes from that. So it's it's depth. It's there's a lot of things to deal with in this.
1: Right. And it's all like I mentioned before, it's all just one full circle. So next, we're going to dive into how children are actually being pushed into experimental surgeries and drugs and hormones by radical activist groups and global corporations for political purposes and profit. So children, like you had mentioned, you know, children are suffering, you know, teens are suffering from, you know, gender confusion, dysphoria. And this has become a very profitable industry. So you follow the money. Mm -hmm. So you have surgeries and uh, cross-sex hormone drugs. They run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're talking about life-altering, like irreversible damage that impacts these children and teenagers and individuals for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And our children deserve quality care, and they deserve protection. And I'm glad to see in the Missouri Missouri Senate currently – So we have legislation titled the Missouri Save Adolescents from Experimentation, the SAFE Act, and that seeks to ban certain procedures such as puberty blockers and hormone therapy for transgender Missourians under the age of 18. So I'm glad to see that Mm -hmm. in the Senate. And the Missouri Senate will come back to this after this on um, March 20th. I'm sorry. They'll get back to this uh, subject on, on this bill on March 20th. So law similar to Missouri SAFE Act have actually already passed in Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah with other states such as uh, Georgia and Indiana are sure to follow. So this is great seeing mm-hmm. other you know states jump on board because we have to focus on solutions. What are we going to do? you know protecting our children from the hormone blockers, the surgeries mm-hmm. the procedures, you know, even cracking down on the library books with the propaganda that's, you know, pushing this sick ideology, this evil ideology in schools, um, even cracking down on teachers. You know, we should be focusing on that, which I don't know if that will actually happen, but who are teaching students this, this transgender ideology? You know, you need to stick to the core curriculum and not go off and teach ideology. That's not what kids go to school for. And it may take, you know, pulling, pull, pulling your children from public school. But I think it comes down to what people can start right now is talking to your children. You have children in school talking to them every single night and just listening to them. Ask them, you know, what they're learning in the classes, you know, that they're attending. What are they hearing? And correct any misinformation. I think that's really important, too. And talk to them in a way that they understand because, because I think a lot of this, again, just starts in the home, mm-hmm. having parents have that good relationship with their child.
2: Right. And honestly, kids today, um, my husband works at a high school and it's amazing to me the stories that I hear of these kids and literally they're just they're they're lost and they're seeking to be seen and heard. And that's the neural issue. They they don't have a voice. They're not seen and they're heard. They they act out in ways to get attention, but it's negative attention. There's over coddling that happens to it. So they're not learning how to be an upstanding individual in society. When they go out, they're not going to know how to keep a job. They're not going to have the basic life skills because they're just being coddled so much. And that honestly is breeding confusion. They're looking for answers in all the wrong places and they're not getting sound wise, advice, judgment, life characters from the adults in their world. And that comes from it's school board too. the kids are at school eight hours a day. And then whatever activities you really only get your kids at home for maybe two hours of worthwhile time a day, mm-hmm. you know, so it is somebody else who's literally raising your child. What are they feeding into them?
1: Exactly. That's why it's important to have these conversations, you know, with your children, you know, what's going on in school and just being in their life and knowing what's going on. But so with uh, Tiger Lily resources and, you know, um, sex trafficking, human trafficking, what are just some um, quick, you know, things that people can do here, you know, locally to help this issue?
2: Get educated on it. See, learn what it is here. Um, A lot of people really do think that it is always abduction, kidnapping, very torturous. And that does happen. But where we are, it's really a hush hush situation. So it's being present in people's lives and knowing what the signs are. So many times people are trafficked within families. It is a, a family member who is exploiting the, the son, daughter, aunt, you know, niece, nephew, something. Um, or it's relational. It's a boyfriend who is exploiting and pimping out a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy. So it's very uh, hidden here. But once you start realizing what it is, you're going to see it everywhere. And honestly, the two things, be educated and be involved in young people's lives in a positive way.
1: Absolutely. That's so important. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will talk one-on-one with Simon Esler. But before we do, I just want to go ahead and play this trailer from Simon's new film, Cut Daughters of the West.
0: In August of 2022, obstetrics and gynecology reported on the latest demographic characteristics of patients undergoing labioplasty.
2: The latest rate in school shopping includes new body parts.
0: The highest rate of cases was observed among adolescent and young women in the United States.
1: I have to do something crazy that would make me feel happy.
2: Make me feel
0: happy. So what this graph shows is they deliberately harmed themselves to the point that they had to be hospitalized. So the rate for 15 to 19-year-old girls is up 62% since two 2009 now the youngest girls these are 10 to 14 year old girls it's up 189 percent. it has nearly tripled in the last five or six years what's the cause
2: confusing them i mean confusing them to the level that they would go to the extreme to butcher their own bodies self-harm,
0: self-harm has always been, always been more been of a more girl, girl thing than a boy, boy thing, thing. It's the leading candidate and the timing look at that timing is social media these are 10 to 14 year old girls these are pre-teens they used to have very low rates
1: Starting around the age of 12, I began to believe
0: that
2: I was transgender. It's like a virus,
0: virus came out of mm-hmm. nowhere. Between 2016 and 2017, the number of gender surgeries for natal females in the United States quadrupled.
2: I thought it was about tolerance. I really, I thought, I thought these rainbows were nice. <laughs> I didn't think they were so bad. I didn't see the dark side of it.
0: In 2018, the UK reported a 4,400% rise in teenage girls seeking gender treatments. They didn't use to cut themselves.
2: It's the sweeping nature of transgender ideology that is overtaking our entire society. Using their their fight or flight are being hijacked.
0: Everyone has transphobia. They're being told every day
2: that they're going to
0: die unless something happens.
1: Would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son?
2: Do you want a dead daughter or a living son? No one explored why I did not want to be a
0: girl. Who here really believes that as a 15-year-old? I should have had my healthy breast removed or that should have been an option i don't know if i'm going to be able to have kids there are interest groups that benefit from taking advantage of individuals fight or flight mechanisms on a daily basis they didn't used to cut themselves and you can't go back i'm ruined
1: i have to do something crazy that would make me feel happy
0: You're listening to Definitely Holly on News Talk STL.
1: This is the Definitely Holly show on News Talk STL 101.9 and 94.1. So I have Meredith Foster in the studio with me with Tiger Lily Resources, and we actually just played uh, before we went on break, we played the uh, trailer to Simon Esler's new movie cut, Daughters of the West. Now, Simon is a seasoned actor. He's a writer, filmmaker, a longtime truth teller on a mission to win the ongoing war against free thought and human liberty. With over 15 years of experience as a theater maker, five years as a professional content creator and a background as a former minister, he uplifts hidden truths using, using deep insight and laughter as weapons. Now, his new film, Cut Daughters of the West, explores the social contagion of the messages being delivered to youth that their happiness can be found at the tip of a scalpel. I encourage you to check out this very important, eye-opening film when it's released. That's daughtersofthewestfilm.com. Welcome, Simon.
0: Thank you so much for having me on the show, Holly.
1: Of course. So John Paul Rice, I've had him, um, independent film producer, I've had him on my show, and he actually introduced me to you, so I'm very thankful for that.
0: Yeah, I really love John's work, and I've I've been the beneficiary of his, his wisdom and his experience for many years now. He's a great man.
1: Absolutely. And like I said earlier, I have uh, Meredith Foster with me. She's the founder and executive director of Tiger Lily Resources, a local organization that helps human trafficking survivors. So we're just going to ask you, you know, a few questions about your new film and and fill in the gaps of, you know, what's really going on so people know how to access your film and learn more about, again, what's truly going on. So go ahead and tell us about your new film and documentary, Cut Daughters of the West.
0: So this film is exploring the social contagion of girls identifying as trans. And more specifically, it's the number of them that are seeking medical intervention in the form of puberty blockers, um, testosterone therapy, double mastectomies. So what we began to see around 2016-2017 was a huge rise in teenage girls seeking these interventions. In the United States, in just those two years, it quadrupled. Uh, Over an eight-year period in the UK, they saw a 4,000% rise in teenage girls seeking gender treatment. So I started to look into this, and one of the things I noticed was that there was a lot of political rhetoric surrounding this issue. But the more I looked into it, the more I noticed that there were larger cultural norms at play that had contributed to this trend. And one of the most startling things I found was that before there was this rise in girls uh, deciding that they were not girls, there was a massive increase in girls seeking breast augmentations and labiaplasties, which is cosmetic genital surgery. And so to me, it said something about what kind of messaging was already being given to girls prior to the introduction of gender ideology, which helped make sense of why, when gender ideology was introduced, these girls jumped on it so quickly and were so quick to modify their bodies permanently based off of a trend that they were surrounded by. So the film explores that by going through the history of plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery and takes a look at this from a lens that is not so politically charged as an invitation for people from both sides of the political aisle to begin to discuss and confront what is facing the daughters of the west at this time
2: wow i have a question so simon this is meredith how are you um in your research um, have you found that there's any certain demographic that leans more towards the action of doing that, or is it pretty much just attacking the age range?
0: We're looking at preteen and teenage girls that are uh, they're the group that seems to be targeted by this craze. Um, and uh, the, the mental health crisis that is occurring for girls, that's something that I explore in the film as well. Um, it's actually much more severe in preteen girls than it is teens. So we're having record numbers of pre-teens being hospitalized for cutting themselves um, because their, their mental health has plummeted so drastically. And uh, this seems to coincide with the introduction of smartphones and social media to middle school children, which is another big factor that, that has played into all of this.
2: Can you tell if the girls... You know, do they come from, you know, do they come from broken homes? Do they come from, you know, more poverty-stricken areas or more well-to-do areas? Or is it just that image attack that any girl can face fa- holding their phones in their hands?
0: I think it's it's um, a lot of middle-class girls. Um, now, this I don't deal with this in the film, but from what I can tell, it is more girls who are Caucasian than anything. Um, there is... struggle with girls who uh, are coming from I guess more lower class experiences only in that there seems to be some kind of connection here to human trafficking in that uh, some of the people that I interview in the film discovered that there is a demand for trans youth and trans girls on the market and Mm -hmm. that they are actually going for more money. Yep. And uh, one of the the legal cases that is explored in the film deals with a girl who was trafficked not once but twice in the midst of being basically coerced into transitioning her identity.
1: Right, and because that's what a lot of these, you know, these sick elite key players, they want. They want these transgender individuals.
0: Yeah, I think there is a kind of fetish going on here, and I think Mm -hmm. when you get into that dark world of human trafficking and child sex trafficking, you know, People who are in that world who are seeking those fetishes, they can never really be satisfied. And so it just gets darker and darker and more grotesque because it's kind of an endless trap for them.
2: Right.
1: And in your film, you mentioned, you know, they're giving hysterectomies to 14 and 15 15 year old girls. So what's the ultimate goal in all this? Is it, you know, depopulation control, just, you know, people unable to have, you know, children in the future of just or just all of those things?
0: I think this actually is a, a very sophisticated warfare operation that ties into a number of goals. So it certainly does play into depopulation because girls are being sterilized and they are leaving the ability to breastfeed, even if they did have children. Um, it also ties into the war on the family mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. The gender ideology is being used to strip away parental rights being used to make it easier for the state to take custody of children. And then in a more long-term way, this plays into a transhumanist agenda where the central philosophy that the body is nothing but an obstacle to becoming who you really are is being more and more normalized. And so to me, there's an end goal of transhumanism that plays into all of this.
1: And you had mentioned a story in your film. So tell us a little bit about Sage And, uh, you know, then The Gavel Project, just, you know, a crazy real-life story about, you know, do parents really have a say over their own children? This is scary.
0: Yeah, the story of Sage has a lot of the components of this gender ideology craze within it, which is one of the reasons I really wanted to include it in the film. So not only does it have the story of this young girl who was sucked into gender ideology, Um, But you also have a a wide array of ideologically captured adults and it shows us what really happens when adults who are supposed to be protecting children uh, become ideologically captured instead. So Sage was um, a high school student who was struggling and was essentially coerced by her teachers and counselors to socially transition And after that social transition, she was then sexually harassed by numerous boys at the school. She was threatened with sexual violence. Um, After having this experience, she did end up running away, and then she was subsequently uh, trafficked by a pedophile into a child sex trafficking ring. Um, Eventually, the FBI did rescue her, and they contacted her parents and told uh, told the parents to come get her. But when they arrived, they were told they were not going to be able to see Sage, And what it turned out had happened was that uh, a gender ideologue lawyer had gotten a hold of Sage and decided that she was going to use her situation to set a precedent. And one of the things that was going on was that Sage's parents uh, would not participate in the gender ideology. They did not want to use the new pronouns. They didn't want to change her name. Um, And this lawyer was trying to frame this legally as a form of child abuse and use that to remove Sage legally from the custody of her parents. So what ensued was a very long, tumultuous legal battle and they did finally get some momentum in getting Sage back home. Um, But because where she was being brought to back home was not a place where her gender ideology was going to be affirmed, the lawyer filed an emergency order to keep Sage out of her parents' custody even longer. And when Sage found this out and found out that she was essentially being put in the middle of this big ideological battle, she ran away again and was trafficked again. Now, during this whole legal process, she had been put in a boy's foster home and th- there was all sorts of struggles and sexual harassment in there because this is a teenage girl you know in a foster home of teenage boys so uh, eventually all of this did fortunately result in sage finally getting home she has detransitioned and did realize the error of all of this but she has now been permanently traumatized and none of the adults in the legal system you know, the judge, the lawyer, the people in the foster home, none of them helped her get any kind of counselor counseling for being a rape victim. Instead, they were all just interested in trying to make sure that pronouns and new names were used and that anyone who wouldn't play that game was punished. So, you know, these are the dangers of people who are so captured by this ideology that they don't perform basic forms of protection and care and healing on children who have been abused and traumatized. And so now we are fighting to get justice for Sage. That is a major case for the Gabble Project right now. And when we uh, have the world premiere on April 15th in Arizona, um, that event is actually going to be a fundraiser for the Gabble Project to continue to fight for Sage and get justice for her.
1: Wow. How often does this happen? You know, it's again, it's just this full cycle. Like, how often does this happen with, you know, children caught up in this ideology and then so confused and then just, you know, continue, continuing to run away and then get sex trafficked.
0: Well, I think the conditions for it are increasing. So my understanding is that this is something that is on the rise because you have states like California who are now modifying their laws so that if a, a a teenager, if a child, uh, you know, identifying as transgender makes it over the border into California Uh, then they can be released from the custody of their parents into the custody of the state so that they can go ahead and get all the gender-affirmative care, so to speak, that they are seeking. So that means that if their parents wanted to stop them and they got into California, they would immediately be able to do that. And um, these are the conditions that child sex traffickers look for. Mm -hmm. What this is doing is altering the legal structures of our society, to avail more vulnerable children with mental illness to child sex trafficking. Say that here in Canada, there's a similar situation where uh, parents who do not immediately affirm their child's new identity, if they do anything to try to guide their child into reconnecting with their um, biological body, it can be considered conversion therapy, and they can lose custody of the child. They can be fined, potentially imprisoned. Um, You know, there's a father who who got in a big legal battle here in Canada and he lost custody of his child and she was transitioned against his will. So to me, uh, all the conditions for child sex trafficking are actually being nurtured. And that's, I think, an undercurrent of all of this that a lot of people don't really understand.
1: This is literally heartbreaking and this is scary at the same time because, again, the state should have no say whatsoever, you know, over what you call, you know, they can't say that you can't call your child by his or her legal name on their birth certificate. This is scary. The state is
2: the worst, the worst entity to be involved in any child's life. They're the biggest perpetrators of selling children basically. And from just hearing this and, you know, absolutely, absolutely demonic all the way around. It has been a long time coming there. They've been slow and calculated at dividing families at causing, you know, tragedy within the family. And it, 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 comes down to, again, we have got to get back to strong family units have to.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's been a big passion of mine, actually. That's how I ended up producing this documentary was because my work prior to this was a six-part docu-series called Super Organism, where I was studying the occult of war on the family in comparison to the ideal of the family unit as a superorganism for generating human wisdom and knowledge and casting it into the future and um i spent years developing this six part docu series and one of the things i did was i looked at okay it, there are documents that seem to outline an actual intentional war in the family mm-hmm. and they separate their tactics against the mother their tactics against the father their tactics against the child and when I started to research the warfare against children, gender ideology was at the top of the list. It was unavoidably one of the largest operations I found. So I ended up with more research than I could even fit into that series. And so I ended wow. up going down the rabbit hole of all of this and finding out that it is affecting girls way more than boys. And and so I was just driven to make this film to try to, try to help save some girls from this. Wow.
1: Absolutely. And how can people, you know, get access to this film and watch it and get updates on, you know, what's going on with you and everything?
0: So people go to daughtersofthewestfilm.com. Uh, you'll get a prompt to join the email list. Uh, that's a really important aspect of what we're doing because I have faced a lot of censorship over the years. This topic in particular is probably going to end up with more censorship. Okay. Uh, so the email list is a, is a really important connection with the audience because it's going to let me um, help invite people into the journey of getting this film to the world. But we're also we're doing a lot of other work connected to this that it's important to keep people informed of. The email list will also give people some discounts on access to the film, some special offerings from me, uh, and we have some future projects coming up um, in, in, a, in a similar vein that I want to keep people informed of. So, you can go to daughtersofthewestfilm.com, and also you'll see on that website I've created a resources section. And this is uh, all the resources for children and families struggling in the battle against all of this. So there are legal resources, there are therapy resources, there are networks of parents who have um, lost their children to this or are fighting to get their children back. There's access to books that don't contain gender ideology and that encourage children to love the body that they're in and uh, information on keeping your children off social media and smartphones until they're old enough. So I'm just growing this resources list to give people practical solutions so that this film isn't just about scaring people. It's just about informing people Mm -hmm. towards effective action.
1: Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up the show, Simon, but I do want to have you back on the show and, you know, it's just a, you know, a great opportunity just watching, watching your journey this is great work that you that you're doing and meredith you guys are doing wonderful things and you know people need to be informed so make sure that you're give that website one more time
0: daughters of the West
1: perfect thank you so much simon thank you holly And Meredith, go ahead and tell everyone how can people keep up with Tiger Lily Resources and donate and follow you.
2: Yep, Uh, You can go directly to our website, TigerLilyResources.org. It's T-I-G-E-R-L-I-L-I Resources dot O-R-G. You can text the word Tiger Lily to 85476. Um, You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, Rumble, YouTube, every place you can find us. (laughs) It's Tiger Lily Resources USA.
1: Thanks so much, Meredith, and I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Absolutely. Quick shout out to Two Shamrocks Public House in O'Fallon, Missouri. We love the owners, Tim and Mel. You can watch March Madness with your favorite Two Shamrocks staff. The game will be on all the TV screens, and they have a full menu stuffed with all your favorite foods, live music every weekend. There is live music tonight until 11 p.m. That's com. And next Saturday, we're going to have Sean Witzman back on the show. Now, Sean, we had him on my show uh, two shows ago, two episodes ago. Sean is an independent journalist who just wrapped up doing Time in Jail for documenting um, the truth of what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. As always, you can follow me on Facebook, Definitely Holly, official Definitely Holly on Instagram. And I just want to remind everyone of this quote. Nothing threatens a corrupt system more than a free mind. This is the Definitely Holly Show on News Talk STL.